is a no. What did I do? I didn't say that you did anything. You heavily implied it. No, I didn't. I did not. I did no such thing. <laughs> I just said. Have I been possessed? Yes, have you been possessed? Because all of a sudden you're like, that that wouldn't have been. That's from Nightmare Now. Okay. So, um, should we welcome everybody? I guess. Are you ready to go? Yes. Sure. I was, but I was second guessing myself. Okay, how about now? You okay now? Yeah. And now? Are you as sure or less sure? I would be more sure if you would stop asking me whether or not I was sure. Okay, what about now? Let's just go, okay? okay. Hi, everyone. Hi. And uh, welcome to yet another episode of Superman's Other Pal. That's what it's called, right? What did you think it was called? I was about to say Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen, <laughs> but that's not the name of this podcast at all. No. Nope. It is Superman's Other Pal, a podcast dedicated strictly to the 163 issues of the Silver Age comic book, Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen. Uh-huh. I am Gary Rowland. And I am here with my daughter, Ella Plum Rowland. And each week, we go through, cover to cover, one issue of Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, and we discuss what happens, uh, not only what happens in the stories, but also we discuss the ad, Yep. which has become a, uh, a, a fan favorite. Has it? Maybe it is, I don't know. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out if we have fans. Uh, no, that's, that's true. We have one, two fans, at least. At least. Right. And one of them has a podcast. Uh, more on that as uh, as as we uh, as we progress. Yes. El Plum and I was just interviewed yesterday for the Super Friends podcast mm-hmm. by er- Eric Esquivel. We had a lovely time finding out things about Jimmy Olsen, past, present, and potentially in the future. Future. But for now, let's just get right to it, shall we? Okay. So this is issue number nine. It says uh, not nine twelve. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. This is issue number 12. Please forgive me. Uh, we're at uh, issue number 12, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, and uh, we see, right on the cover, Superman flying into the office of Perry White. We know that it's Perry White, because the man sitting at the desk has a sign, and that sign says, Perry White. Perry White, editor-in-chief. And uh, Superman says, I've searched everywhere, Perry, and I can't find a trace of Jimmy Olsen. And then standing in what is always classic comic book invisible which is that you're like white and kind of, and kind of blue and transparent and uh and it says but superman i'm right here oh what's the use i'm trapped in the fourth dimension and nobody can see or hear me and it says featuring the invisible jimmy olsen spooky which is a great time because the at the time of this recording it is about a week away from halloween mm-hmm. and uh, jimmy is almost a ghost almost almost very close probably not but anyway, um, so let's get to the next to the next page. Inside cover. It asks us the, um, the musical question. Musical? Need extra, sure. <laughs> need extra spending money? You're so weird. <laughs> no, need extra spending money? Sure. Because the answer to that is always, sure, we all do. Yes, well, they're offering us $50. Right. $50 to use as your ple- as you please. All you have to do is take easy orders from Stuart greeting cards. What's an easy order? I don't know. Why not get all those things your heart is set on with money you earn yourself? You can do it quickly and easily in your spare time. All you do is show your gorgeous greeting card samples for birthdays, anniversaries, get well, and other year-round occasions. We send you samples on approval. Friends, neighbors, relatives, almost everybody who sees you samples buys on site. You make sensational ca- cash profits fast. 
you don't need experience to earn, or apparently any kind of working permit. Or common sense. Right. Well, I mean, I guess after a while, everybody's like hiding from you as soon as they see you because they know that you're going to have those stupid greeting cards. Yeah. So, um, but if you want, you can mail the coupon now. Don't mail the coupon now. And lose all of your friends. To Stuart Greeting Incorporated, 4436-38 North Clark Street, Chicago 40, III. I'm going to think that that's as ill, as in Illinois. Sure. And then it tells us, um, it's easy to make money. Look at these exceptional earning records. In LJP from Indiana made $45. Wow. I know BB from Kentucky made $75. The most anybody makes, well, that would be um, JG from Nebraska. He made $120. Or she. Could be a she. We don't know. And look at the things you can get. You can get, uh, not only can you get money, I guess. No, I guess you just buy money. I think they're they telling you what you can buy. Right. So you could buy, apparently, you know how kids love luggage? They have a luggage set because apparently kids love luggage and typewriters. I mean, I'd buy a typewriter. And old-timey football helmets. I don't need that so much. No. Okay, so, um, you know, once again, uh, we, we, we show that in the 1950s, comic books just wanted kids as some kind of sales, commission-only sales force. Yep. That, that, that they can easily exploit. Mm-hmm. And so that brings us to our first story. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Do you, do you want to read it? Are you going to do the thing first? What thing? You know what thing. No, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Fine. All right, go ahead. <coughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming up to the microphone now is podcasting phenom. Dad. Ella Plum Rowland. Stop. As she reads the introduction. You can stop now. To Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Yep, and I would if you would let me. Story one, <sighs> issue 12. <laughs> See? band plays, the ringmaster shouts, and the parade begins, and the circus is on. But wait, can it be, can it, can I start? Should we take it again? Yeah, because I couldn't see it. What? Okay. Can you see it now? Uh, sort of. Can you, like, there, now I can see it. All right. Okay, take two, ladies and gentlemen, podcasting phenom, Ella Plum Roman. <laughs> the band plays, the ringmaster shouts, the parade begins, and the circus is on. But wait, who's that boy clown? Can he be some- can he be- can it be someone we know as a cub reporter for the Daily Planet? What is Superman's pal doing here as a performer? The answer will amaze and amuse you as you watch the antics of Jimmy Olsen, Prince of Clowns. Alright, and in our opening, uh... In our opening panel, which has... Actually, this time, something to do with the thing. No, exactly this happens. They're they're starting to, every once in a while, they throw one in that actually has something to do with, I think, just to throw us off. So we have a, a, a clown who must obviously be Jimmy. Even though he looks nothing like Jimmy. Right, but, you know, since, uh, okay, so he says, yee! Why, I, 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 my balloons are bursting. I'll come flying down into sawdust. And then, uh, on the bottom, we see Superman. Only one way to save Jimmy's act, blow him to that trapeze with my super breath. What do you think Superman's super breath smells like? I don't know. Probably whatever he ate last, if he didn't brush his teeth. If he, like, what if he had garlic? And how can he brush his teeth? By brushing his teeth. But wouldn't he have super plaque that would hang on? No. How do you know? Because plaque isn't produced by your body, it's food residue. 
and bacteria. Then then he wouldn't have bad smelling breath, so we wouldn't have to worry about garlic. Yes, I don't know. But what if his breath just normally is just bad? We never discussed Then that. he needs a mint. All right. Okay, we start out. It says it's circus time at Metropolis. And in one of the dressing tents, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen interviews the big show's star performers. And, uh, because apparently this particular circus, uh, it's all about the clowns. Or there's an act with a lot of clowns really in it. Right. But, like, apparently, I guess other things, like there's no lion tamers or... Because as a rule, aren't clowns supposed to be, like, the bottom? I mean, as we've learned from Dumbo, um, clowns are the bottom of the barrel in terms of, like, what? I don't know. Don't you remember seeing Dumbo? No. I remember, like, I remember seeing it. I don't remember much, except there was an elephant and they all got drunk that one time. Well, they get drunk all the time. That's the thing about the clowns is that they're sad. Anyway. Um, okay, so we learned that there is a father, like a very famous clown who's a father and who has a son, and the son is about to do his first... His first show. His first show. He's like, you know, he is a little nervous, and he's like, I don't, I hope that I'm not second rate. And the, the dad's just like, look, just, just do the best you can, and everything will be fine. So uh, he's going, so the son goes to go out, and he trips, and he somehow hurts. He, has a he trips, and he hits his head on a, well, it looks to be like a traveling trunk, like right. a steam trunk. Right. He says, gosh, Jimmy, I just gotta make good, and ow, I tripped. Because that's what we all say when we get we all pr- shout to, to the sky that we that we trip. I've done that before. <laughs> so um, he so so uh, he's like, oh no, because I guess he hurt his head and he probably hurt his feet. Well, so, yeah, his head hit the corner of the trunk. And so, that would be painful. Um, uh, the boy who's named Tad. It's an oddly like. That's kind of a fifties name though. Yeah, it's like it's a fifties name, but it's not like Bob or like allergy or there's something a, or Buzzy. Famous, there's actually a relatively famous actor. I want to say it's Tad Hunter, but it could be Tab, which would be even weirder. Anyway, yeah. Uh, it's short for Thaddeus. Hmm. Um, all right, so uh, Jimmy's like, of course. Since I'm the disguise master. I know what I'll do. Since I am a cover reporter and master of everything. Um, I will be you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll put on the makeup. I'll wear your big pants. No one will know. No one will know the difference. Okay, so um, the show starts. And the clown king and prince. Tad is the prince. Yep. They, they're starting to come out for the first time. And the clown king comes out, and he's in a big car, and the little one's in a little car, the prince is in a little car. Which starts to buck like a wild bronco. Right. And they're like, hey, this isn't this isn't part of the script. He's like, oh no. But luckily, who happens to be in the audience? Clark Kent. That's right. Mild-mannered reporter for a ma- major metropolitan newspaper. Also Superman. Disguised as Clark Kent. Mild-mannered reporter for a, a major metropolitan newspaper. So, he says, that boy clown's in trouble. His car went out of control. The only thing to do is to burn out the spark plugs with the heat of my x-ray vision. Well, he does that. I guess. Um, still not sure of the how much heat x-rays give off. Because you know how we always, when we get x-rays... We end up boiling on the inside? I don't don't know. Maybe um, it's stronger x-rays. So then he... The, the engine dies, and everybody's like, woo! So he's like, whew! But he plays it off, and everything's great. So then... He also sees that it's Jimmy under the mask. Right. Well, under his makeup. Makeup. And, of course, Clark's like... What's happening? What's going on? So it, it, so the, the king 
So the, the prince asks his dad, his dad. So Jimmy asks the, 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 the king of clowns, like, is what's going on? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. The next part of the act, Jimmy is given a whole thing of balloons. And is supposed to walk on air while being lifted up by the balloons. Right, as his arms getting stretched, because it's hilarious. Um, okay, so he's walking and walking and walking, and all of a sudden, the balloons start popping. And Clark um, sees this. Clark, using his supervision, not his x-ray vision this time, his telescopic vision, or microscopic vision. Either way. It's telescopic. He realizes that the king of clowns is sabotaging his own son. And is actually the king of clowns and not some criminal. Right. So, um, as he pops, as all the balloons pop, Jimmy starts to, you know, he starts to fall because, you know, physics, physics and stuff. Physics and gravity and stuff. The one time that any form of actual science actually applies. Right. It's one of the only times that they actually, yeah, get the science right. Um, but Superman is in, so he's about to fall and hit the ground and turn into sawdust. And Superman uses his super breath. As portrayed in the opening, um, opening panel of the comic, finally. For once. Blows him to a, tra- to a trapeze and once again, Jimmy. Saves the the day. Saves the day, plays it off, turns into a thing, becomes a huge success. Superman goes to try to figure out what's going on. Right. So he goes and he's like, I don't, I can't be Clark Kent right now. This is the best time to, uh, this is the time this, I need to be Superman. So I'm going to be Superman. So Superman turns into Superman. He goes to the, uh, the, 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 the clown's tent and he sees Tad and Tad is there and he's like, you know, I, I'm injured. I right. can't do this. Right. So Jimmy's taking my place and he's like, hmm. And, uh, so Superman sees a diary. I'm going to clearly guess. labeled diary, right? but it doesn't say uh it doesn't say like tad's diary it just says diary and he decides that he's going to use his x-ray vision to uh violate the owner of this diary's <laughs> privacy which is ridiculous well do you have a diary no really yeah you sure yeah i don't have a diary <laughs> but he looks and he realizes that um joe king the dad the dad thinks that his son is a second-rate clown and won't be able to make it. So he's just basically trying to sabotage him so he doesn't do a good job and he doesn't want to do it anymore. So he finds a career he can be better at. Exactly. He's like, maybe he should be like a doctor or something. Maybe he should be a lion tamer. Right. And so um, he says, gosh, what if Joe King is right and Jimmy and I are wrong? Making Tad's debut a success, would Tad be better off in some other career? Unless that scrapbook, and right outside, as this is happening, meanwhile... Jimmy's struggling to lift um, a rock that they have made to look like a giant pill for an elephant that is over on its back, and they're trying to feed it to him. Right, to make him better. Yes. Um, so, uh, Joe, the, the, the king, is saying, we're supposed to be doctoring this phony sick elephant, but I've substituted a rock for the prop. Pill he's supposed to lift. I must ruin my own sa- my own son's debut for his own good. And then Jimmy is thinking, oof. I can't lift it. <laughs> Wouldn't he say that out loud? Yeah, does probably. To, does he have to think it? All right, so... Um, so Superman tunnels up from underground and throws the thing for him. Right. But Joe King sees that. Right. He uses his super tunneling ability and then knocks it out and it throw, goes into the elephant's mouth. Wouldn't that be harmful to the elephant? I was about to say, and chokes the elephant to death because a rock just ended up <laughs> in the elephant's mouth. And we're back to not using science. You know, so then uh, the king... Uh, Joe says, I I saw Superman's arm pop up, and this boy isn't my son. Hey, this is Jimmy Olsen. The makeup started running. Because, yeah, the makeup started running because of all the exertion. And also, I think, he should darn well be able to know his son in makeup and out of makeup. Jimmy has to leave the stage for a second to pick up some stuff for the final act. And then... 
uh, you know, uh, the king is juggling some eggs, eggs and birds come out of it, and then um, and is silently crying. Right, because he's saying, oh, "They ruined my plan to save my boy from a wasted life." Superman and Jilly Olsen are doing a tad of bad turn. And in 1950s, that basically means they're doing the wrong thing because yes. they disagree with your reasoning. Right. So um, then he said, "Presently." Then the prince returns, and they get onto their uh, their teeter-totter, and they do their last act, which involves a very tricky acrobatic move. Like a triple backflip on a seesaw. Right. And, um, you know, he's like, my boy never never did this, and so it'll it'll never happen. It won't good, but they, they, he does it. Bowing down, the clown prince says to the clown king, how was that, dad? Did it prove me a first rate after all? Joe, the clown king says, oh, don't try to fool me. I know you're Jimmy Olsen. A while later, in the dress, dressing tent, you find out that actually it was Tad. And that uh, he switched them at the last minute. <sighs> so what you find out is Tad only does well. Under pressure. Under pressure. During actual performances. During rehearsals, he does terribly. And apparently his dad's the same way, but he didn't think that that might be the, what it happens with his son. Right. So then... Because logic doesn't work in this universe. Right. Because as we all know, practice is for sissies. Like, the only way to really be Well, good. some people perform better under pressure than they do in practice. Well, that might be true, but, you know, but you still need to do practice. You still need to, you do need to practice. Okay. But and some people better. And so the next day. During the actual thing. Jimmy comes out and he says, as for me, I'd have been strictly a second-rate clown without Superman's help, so I'll just stick to being a first-rate reporter. He'd be a third-rate clown. He'd just be standing there. And then he's just sitting there with his feet on the desk. And as we all know... You're not supposed to have your feet on the desk? Don't put your feet on the desk. What is this? Your home? I mean, for him, we don't know where he lives, so it might very well be his home. It's not. Well, no, he has that apartment with all the souvenirs. Mm, oh, yeah. So, um, so as he's, like, leaning back to read the, uh, the headline, which says, Father and Son Clown, team breaking box office records just then great caesar's ghost you misspelled a dozen names in your last story jimmy as a first rip as a reporter you're a first rate rate clown great caesar's ghost you misspelled a dozen names in your last story jimmy as a reporter you're a first rate clown that was perry white by the way right perry white editor-in-chief <gasps> of the daily planet major metropolitan newspaper and he knocks over jimmy and jimmy goes ouch which is, this is now the closing joke and signaling the end of the story. All right, so next page, we have an ad, and it says, The one and only Superman is still a most talked about comics magazine character. It's because there weren't a lot of comics magazine characters back then. Oh, no, there were. I mean, you know, there was the whole, like, Justice Society. Oh, yeah, that was there right. was, uh, you know, then there were other comics, like, you know, like, Wiz Comics. Wiz Comics is where Shazam came from. Oh, Shazam. Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Billy Batson. Uh-huh. Says the magic word Shazam. Uh-huh. I know who Shazam is. He fights Nazis. <laughs> he does? One of the major <laughs> in the Shazam universe early on was... Nazis? Super Nazi. Oh, God. Okay, so, uh, you can see there are one, two, three... Four great magazines. World's Finest. Superman. Superman. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. And Action Comics. Okay. They are all still to this day. Although I think World's Finest is usually, um, usually involves, yeah, it involves Superman and Batman. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And so next, we have a, we have an epic Shorty, where Shorty goes, I want to get a good seat at the baseball game. And he bumps into a guy, and the guy yells at him, look where you're going. Your little run for two cents, I'd uh, beat it. Ah! 
can see that Shorty is very um, disturbed. He's Although, crying. Once again, this is like one of those things. See, if you look at Shorty, he's wearing a jacket and pants and a hat. And a tie, a bow tie. So he is dressed like... A little grown-up? No, yeah, he's dressed basically. He could, he's just like a... Yes, but the problem is he's two-thirds the size of everybody else in the comic. Right, sure. But okay, so he bumps into that guy, gets the thing, and then he realizes that the umpire is... The guy who yelled at him. Right, so then he starts yelling at the umpire, throw the umpire out, he's flying as a bat, fooey on the umpire! Fooey, he says. Fooey. I wish we could say fooey more. I wish fooey needs to make a comeback as a thing. He's no good! And then he runs into his dad. Either his dad or some adult he is friends with. Hi, Shorty. I couldn't help but notice you. You certainly did a lot of yelling at the umpire. How come? And uh, Shorty says, I had a run-in with him on the street today. Boy, did I tell him off. Lovely. Don't know exactly where the funny is. Perhaps someone out there in the um, in, in the podcasting world, someone listening to this, could um, could write it down. They're making fun of little kid logic. But like, why? How is he telling him off? Is he, but he is kind of telling him off by yeah. shouting at him from the. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Little kid logic. So uh, that. Like yelling at the, the TV screen. That ends the interlude and brings us to our next story. Do you want to read this one or shall I? You. Okay. You're just going to do the obnoxious. I'm not going to do the obnoxious thing. Yes, you are. What obnoxious thing? Can you give me an example? No, because you'll think it's not obnoxious. All right. I merely introduced <laughs> you. That's all. <laughs> I was just introducing you. Lies. So that people knew that the voice that was coming was not my voice. I think they figured I out whose voice it is. I my voice doesn't sound like yours. You know, I don't think if you, I don't know if you understand this or know this, but but they can't see us. Exactly. I'm aware. Podcasting is an audio medium. Uh huh. All right. So ancient dinosaurs alive on an island. <laughs> A mysterious robot who guards them. All adding up to Jimmy Olsen's most exciting and dangerous scoop. Yet for once, it seems that Superman fails to come to the aid of his young pal. And therein lies the answer to the secret of Dinosaur Island. So it's Jurassic Park. No! This is long before that was ever written. In fact, this could be... No, it's probably not the inspiration. Uh, Alright, so, uh, we, we in the, the opening thing, the opening panel, that's, you know, like the cover to the story, but not really very much to do with it, we see... Jimmy eating a sunny-side-up dinosaur egg with a shell nearby and the, tyr- and the shadow of a Tyrannosaurus Rex with open jaws behind him and Superman in the foreground. Right, it is a, uh, it is a, uh, Flintstones-like scene with, um... This entire Jimmy, story is a Flintstones-like scene. Jimmy wearing a really jaunty cap. Yeah. I like his cap. Like, it's not a suit this time. You know, the funny thing is, like, I like his cap in this one, and also in the uh, the uranium story, I loved his hat. He had, like, a pork pie hat that he was rocking. Yep. So, this Jimmy Olsen, you know, bow tie off, top um, top button unbuttoned with a jaunty cap. And reddish brown pants. Well, these are, like, brown. And what look like hiking boots. Right. He's all dressed up for the out of doors, and he says, Super duper! What a breakfast one dinosaur egg makes. And then uh, Superman's there and he says, My telescopic vision shows an angry dinosaur charging Jimmy, and I may not be able to do anything about it. Now, is it telescopic vision? Yes. Okay, all right. What so, did you think it I was? So, okay, so we are, uh, so, the, 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 so the story begins. They're out in the flying newsroom, and they're going to uh, this place called Mystic Isle. Now, A little bit on the nose. Right. Just a little. 
Um, so they, uh, they they come up and they've heard rumors that there are dinosaurs on this island. So then, wouldn't they have sent like scientists? Yes. Or like people who know how to handle that. You would think. Um, but let's see. What, what does it say here? Look, Jimmy, a living brontosaurus. That rumor was true. So they they just have rumors. And so, because there are rumors, um, they decided, I guess scientists don't, they don't deal with rumors, they deal in facts. And um, because they had money, I guess, before anthropologists had money, or paleontologists? I don't know. Archaeologists? Which ones are this one? Archaeologists are the people who dig it up. Paleontologists are the people who study it further, I think. So I guess these would be, they can send like a paleontologist or anything out there? No. They just, you know, they're just like, hey. Two reporters who know next to nothing. Let's just send some, let's just send some stuff out there. So, uh. Let's send the kid and the guy who runs from any sign of danger. Right. So, uh, he's like, okay, I'm going to stay here at the flying newsroom. You go out and see if you find any dinosaurs. Although, they are in a helicopter. Could they not just fly over? Right. They could just fly over the cop, and then, and you know, they do. They're actually in the copter, and they see a brontosaurus, and you could just take a picture from there. They didn't take a picture and fly away and before they- you had to get too close. Also, it's a flying newsroom. You think they'd have like some kind of telephoto lens? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so um, he, so Jimmy goes out because he's intrepid, and he sees oh, for, and we have a classic oh oh, those big monsters don't scare. Ah, Giant Tyrannosaurus Rex barreling toward him. Right. And then, of course, uh, Superman is back uh, at the flying newsroom disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper. And is growing weak from an unlocated source of kryptonite. Right. So, But he has enough strength to blow rocks down. Onto the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Exactly. I feel like that isn't the best. Couldn't he have just blown the T-Rex back? Like, oh, why do you have to kill it? Right. These things are rare enough already. I don't think he did kill it. I think he just scared it off. Yeah. And then, so like, you know, he's like, okay, I'm going to go get some photos. Oh my God. And then comes perhaps. You've had a near death experience in the first 30 seconds. And yet you're still like, oh, I know. I'm going to go take more photos and wander even farther from the safety of the one thing that I know where it is. And I don't know anything about this island or what inhabits it other than that giant thing that just tried to kill me. So I'm going to go explore. That's right. Oh, my God. He goes on to to explore and runs into the best robot I've ever seen in comic book fandom. The best. (laughs) Like, the single best robot I've ever seen, and, like, any, I don't know, whatever, what the, the Vision, well, he's more of an android, but still a robot. Imagine a guy in a medieval suit of armor with a bucket on its head instead no. of, like, a thing, instead of, like, a, an actual like, helmet. It's like a, like a classic 1950s robot, you know, like, like you know, like, the first suit of Iron Man armor. Beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. that's not, that's not the great thing about this guy. Written across the chest is the words, this This robot robot is trained trained to smash smash your camera. camera. (laughs) I mean, at least it's informative. Just in case you were like, hey, there's a robot. I wonder what that robot is trained to do. Well, I guess it's kind of to not scare people so much, because if they think a giant robot's trying to kill them, then they're slightly more concerned than if a giant robot's just trying to get their camera. What if you don't have a camera? Um, then we have a problem. 
Does he just go, hey, hey? He might, like, try to escort them off the island, but I don't think it's supposed to kill people. But, you know, we could, we could all be using the cameras of our mind. Something tells me Jimmy isn't going to remember much of this. It's, it, it is, it's great. Like, all of a sudden, he's walking around, and suddenly he sees a robot, and r- written on the robot is, this robot is trained to smash your camera. Yes, can we get past this? I don't think I can ever get past this. Okay, so, um, you know, so Jimmy sees you like, ah, look, a robot, and I think it's trained to smash my camera. (laughs) Does it actually say that? No, but he might as well. Um, And so they're like, hey, there's a robot. We know that dinosaurs didn't make robots. Who made this robot? It is a mystery. (laughs) So. Superman does something with supervision of some sort. Right. He uses the heat of his x-ray vision and he melts glass. Into in, he melts sand into, into glass, glass to make a robot slip on it. Right, and then he goes in and he takes, takes out. Away, he takes away all the stuff from the robot and he disguises himself as the robot. As the robot. Now it just looks like an ancient scuba suit. Right. Yeah, it does. It does kind of look like one of those old school. Uh, they call them Iron Mike scuba suits. So, and then he hears a supersonic voice calling, and he's going to. So he goes back and he finds a cabin in a scientific lab. And then we meet Professor William March, naturalist. And uh, he was here a year ago. He's been here for the last year, and he has discovered all of these dinosaurs. That were frozen in a glacier previously. Right. And then melts the glacier, and the dinosaurs are alive, but only have one year to live. And so does he because of some, like, heart failure disease thing. Right. And so he's like, so I'll just have it here for a year, and I'll make this robot, and then I will write on this robot, you know, just in case anybody has a camera. This robot is trained to steal your camera. I will train this robot to smash his camera. So Superman goes like, all right, well, I mean, I guess that's okay. So he keeps Jimmy from being able to take photographs for as long as possible. Right, like the robot, so he sees a triceratops, and he's about to take a picture of the triceratops. So he pulls the tail of the triceratops. And moves him out of frame. And then he throws a, he throws a tree in front of a brontosaur in front of a tyrannosaurus, and he throws um, a mirror. Right. Although, you know, why doesn't he just use his X-ray vision to expose the film in his camera? That would be a lot simpler. You would think so. So um, he goes and he's like, "Oh, look, I got a um." He's like, "Oh, there's that post pesky robot," and he didn't. He, he's like, "All he did, all he saw was this." This robot and no dinosaurs. He got no pictures. So he went back to the flying newsroom and he saw Soups disguised as Clark Kent, mild mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper. Lying sick in bed. Right, because he wasn't feeling well. Um, and then he, you know, he said that the uh, the robot was lined with lead and that protected him from the kryptonite, which apparently is all over the island. Right. So the island is loaded with kryptonite here on this mystic island. Do you think that maybe uh, the doctor and all the dinosaurs are part kryptonians and the that's why they're dying? Mm. I don't know either. Probably not, though. Um, all right, so... So, before Jimmy comes back, Superman puts the innards back inside the robot and sends it back to the scientist, who then switches out the innards to a steel suit. Right. And then the robot comes back. Now, why Superman didn't suddenly realize 
that the suit was lighter and not made because lead and steel are two totally different metals. Different color, different heavy, different what weight, right. different everything. Right. And so um, Jimmy sees the robot is like, I'm going to take care of this robot and throws a rock at him. Which turns out to be kryptonite. Right. And then knocks him unconscious. And then the professor checks on his new steel robot and is like, hey, what's going on? Oh, it's Clark Kent. The well-known reporter. <laughs> Who knows? And the way that kryptonite is weakened you, you must be Superman. And then Superman's like, <gasps> nope, 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 nope. No, he says, all right, you got me. <laughs> he does. He says, all right, you got me. So um, he's like, so he's like, I'm the only person who's ever figured out that it's Superman. And, he's like, and oh. I'm thinking it's a miracle. Right. And, and uh, so they're like, oh, OK. So uh, he figures out something and he's like, look, I got an idea. Why don't we well, make a bargain? Like, I will make it so that nobody can find your island ever again for a year. Until you and the dinosaurs have passed. Are all dead, although there would be dinosaur corpses. Yes, but you can't kill a dinosaur corpse, because that's what the scientist is concerned about, is trophy hunters. Oh, okay. Um, so, he, he, he seals the island up, essentially, and... Um, and keeps Jimmy from taking any more photographs. Correct. But the scientist then takes photographs of all of his dinosaurs, and um, Clark Kent plans to come back in a year to retrieve them. Right. So there. So that's it. And they get back, and they're like, "Hey, there are no dinosaurs on Mystic Island." And uh, they're like, "Oh gosh, these sure would have been different if Superman had been there to fight that robot." Would they? And then Superman, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper, says, "That's what you think, comma Jimmy." The end. Mm-hmm. All right, then we have um, our friend, Binky, Binky, who tells us... It's fun to belong. That's right. Oh, my God. <sighs> Essentially, the, the message of this being, you should conform and do what everybody else does. Yep. That way, you will be liked, and you won't be unhappy. Although, and, uh, you know, we, we once again see Binky's friend, Allergy... And his, his bow tie is bow tie. the biggest bow tie I have ever seen. It's like a bow. It's like a, a butterfly has landed. On, a bat has landed. Yeah, it's on a his bat. Chest. It's like a bat is sleeping on his chest, and uh, so he gets. So they, they get there, and there are a bunch of people there. And uh, the first thing goes, he's like, uh, "Watch carefully, girls." And another few lessons, you'll be doing this too. So they keep showing They're learning to be life, um, lifeguards. All the things that they can do. And then picking up litter. Right. Pick up litter, be a lifeguard. Um, Volunteering at the community center puppet show. Right. Doing all this stuff. And then they can belong and conform. And, uh, you know, have no individuality of your own whatsoever. Published as a public service in cooperation with the National so- Social Welfare Center, coordinating organization for national health, welfare, and recreation agencies of the U.S. How is that going to promote national health? I don't know. Um, promote mental health. Although... Yes, I, because... Go ahead. And also another important thing, apparently belonging um, is only white people. As we see over and over and over again. In the 1950s. Not a single face of color anywhere to be seen anywhere. So apparently, when they say to belong, what they mean is, hey, white guy. Get your act together. Hang out with other white guys. And we can depress, so we can depress the brown people. Just go to the next story. Okay. So the next story, once again, um, now we have a a weird story about state troopers being great people. I don't know. And then we have uh, Little Pete, 
Little Pete, man sitting down, says, boy, it's good to sit down. And uh, man is just, uh, the, the Little Pete, he's just staring at him. Young man, why don't you go and play? And uh, Little Pete says, I don't want to. And uh, the, the man says, uh, but, but it's not natural for a boy to be so quiet. What? Again, you should go and belong. We don't want your weird kids here looking at looking at people, not being quiet, not doing anything. It's like ha, 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 ha. no, being quiet is the problem. Right, he's too quiet, and then he says, "Oh, uh, wh- wh- why don't you want to go?" And uh, Little Pete says, I-, "I was just waiting for you to get up. A man painted that bench fifteen minutes ago." I don't get it. He wanted to see the man being covered in paint. Okay, get it? Oh, it's funny. I'll draw you a map later. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Maps don't make things any funnier. Oh, that's where you're wrong. No, that's where you're wrong. Um, no, everybody knows that once... Everybody a- knows that once a joke has to be explained, it is no longer a joke, it is a riddle. Therefore, not as funny. Every th- everybody knows that once you explain a joke... Okay, so, see, the thing is, a man painted this bench, right? And then a guy sat on the bench... I'm aware. And everybody knows that um, when you sit in wet paint and then you get up and the paint is on you... Wouldn't he have noticed that there was wet paint seeping into his clothes? No. Yes. No. Yes. Because, okay, so, because, like, he's wearing he's wearing a suit because this is the 1950s and everybody wore a suit. Okay. So not only is he wearing suit, he's wearing boxers and undershirt. And on top, he's wearing a jacket, a shirt, and an undershirt. So there is no way that he can... Feel, that he would feel necessarily the uh, the paint going into him. You see, that's funny. <laughs> what do you think funny means? Exactly what you think it means. Um, no, no. All right, which brings us to our next story. Do you want to read it, or shall I? You're gonna do the thing. I just... won't do the thing. Read it. I'm your father, <laughs> and I am calling fa- uh, paternal <coughs> paternal duty. And so, ladies and gentlemen, coming up to the microphone now, getting ready. See, this is the thing. What thing? I'm letting people know. Practicing her diction and sight reading skills. My daughter, uh, my favorite oldest daughter. Sure. Uh, Miss L. Plum Roland reading the intro to the last story. Just gonna wait to stop talking. All right. Okay. So here she is. The next voice you will hear is. It'll be yours because you won't stop talking. The next voice you will hear will be that of L. Plum Roland, freshman in high school. See yours. Member of the percussion pit team in stop, marching band. Stop, stop. Please just let me talk, okay? Captain <gasps> of the roller derby team. I'm not LA captain anymore. Captain of the Dad, LA let me read the thing. Okay, go ahead. There's one place you would not like to visit, the fourth dimension. If you don't believe it, ask Jimmy Olsen. It provides an uncanny trap for the cub reporter, from which it seems even Superman cannot rescue him. You'll find spine-tingling chills and rib-tickling chuckles, too, in this amazing adventure of the invisible Jimmy Olsen. All right. You could have just let me talk. I did, by the way. Excellent job. All right, so, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Um, in the opening frame, which this one doesn't, I don't think it's anything, any, this doesn't happen at all. No. Neither does the last one. We see Superman bending over. He's lifting up a couch to look underneath to see if Jimmy's hiding under the couch in his own room. Um, But uh, Superman, uh, not Superman, Jimmy Olsen is right behind him. Well, an outline of Jimmy Olsen, which as we all know is the classic um, comic book trope of uh, Jimmy Olsen being invisible. So you're like, he's in outline and you can see everything else underneath him. And he's got a hammer and he's hammering the back of superman's head and superman is not noticing right 
And so Jimmy's saying, Jimmy's missing, and he's nowhere in his apartment. Did he vanish into thin air? And Jimmy's saying, well, he's thinking, I'm right here, Superman. You can't see or hear me, but I'll make you feel me. Bang, bang. Yes, but clearly he can't. I don't know. It's weird. He's, okay. he's too hard-headed. So, um, one day in Metropolis, reporters Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen leave the Daily Planet on different assignments. Once again, so Clark Kent, who is Superman, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper, he's going to visit and expose Blackie Blake's crime ring. So, is Metropolis just chock full of crime rings? Yes. I mean, how many crime rings can be in one place? All of them. And so he's got another interview. Jimmy's got an interview. And he's like, ugh, I'm going to go and interview this nutty professor. Oh, well. Not to be confused with the nutty professor, the clumps. And uh, so, um... Professor then proceeds to shove him in a giant bubble with electrodes attached to it and press a button. Right. Because once again, Jimmy loves to go into, like, weird scientific... I don't know, he ran at a dinosaur for crying out loud. He loves to go into scientific experiments... Without any... You'd figure he would know by now. He drank the pink liquid. I know. So, okay. Uh, so he goes in, and he turns invisible. That is the ugliest face I've ever seen. Now, the face he's making. Okay, so, now, as we all know from previous episodes, the souvenirs of Superman, or, I'm sorry, the souvenirs of Jimmy Olsen, when, um... When someone the, turns invisible. Right. When someone turns invisible using an invisible belt or something, they can't... They can be invisible, but they can't see. That logic no longer applies. Well, in this case, the thing is, is that he's in the fourth dimension. And since he's in the fourth dimension, nobody can see him, but yes, he but can see other people. Yes, but wouldn't that be, like, time or something? Uh, yes, but I don't think they've worked that out here. <sighs> the doctor's like, oh, uh, says, come out, Jimmy. I, er, forgot another important thing. I, I can't bring things back. From the fourth dimensional state. Oh my god. Somebody arrest this man. And so Jimmy comes out of the bubble and strangles the man to death. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets away with it because he's invisible in the four, from the fourth dimension. But what you see, um, now we know that there's also a fifth dimension because that's where from, that is where Mr. Mixpidalik is from. Mixes Pidalik. That's where Mr. Mix, Mixes Pidalik. So this is like the dimension between them. So it's invisibility, I right. guess. Um, so he's like, oh no, I'm invisible. And um, uh, the doctor says, uh, uh, I'll work on a formula to get you back. But, you know, unless I can figure something out, you're going to be invisible forever. So then uh, he goes out and he... He couldn't have tested this on like a guinea pig nope. first. Or even like a book. Like something that isn't a human being who needs a job. Well, the other thing is, and Jimmy didn't say, hey, can I see in a, a demonstration of this before I get involved? To be fair, like, in what it shows, he kind of does just shove him in the bubble and close the door behind him. Well, this is this is another um, plot that you will often see in the Jimmy Olsons, which is... Crazy scientist does experiment on right. Jimmy without any prior um, testing. Exactly. And, and also, but also, like, okay, this is the DC universe, right? Yes. Where, you know, seemingly magical things happen. And can be explained by science. Right. So, this guy doing this, Jimmy automatically thinks he's a crackpot. But couldn't he be like, you know, he could be right. Could be like... He could be a, like, he could be a, like, this could work. In the DC universe. Right. 
So, um, I don't know. So, he goes back and he's, he, first he goes back to the, uh, the, the Daily Planet and he tries to let people know that he's alive, but nobody knows that he's alive. I guess he can't, nobody can hear him? And it seems to have been a fair amount of time because the headline is Cub Reporter Missing. Right. And it's front page news. That's the other thing, is that it's like, it's an above the fold, like basically it takes up the same amount of real, real estate as like VE Day, like, you know, Allied Forces Defeat the Nazis. People really care about Jimmy Olsen. And he lifts the paper. And Enough to make a comic book about him for several years. And Perry White's like, oh no, where does this come from? Oh no, I, I must have nerves. I won't look until I steady down. Now this is one of those things where um, if this were a cartoon, Perry White would open his, dr- his drawer, pull out a bottle that says XXXX. And start drinking. No, no, and throw it away. Because clearly, like, he is, he is, he is consumed way too much alcohol, and he's now seeing delusions. Or he has not drank enough alcohol. Right. And um, so, he's like, I'll show Lois the nameplate from my desk, and the towel draped over me will show my solid form, even though I'm invisible. No, you will spook her into thinking that you are a ghost. Right. Because as we all know, this is the time when all ghosts just look like sheep. And then he steals money from a guy. Who owes him money. <laughs> and then faints. Right. Wait, wait. Ah, if I take money, if I take my money. Right. So the guy goes, ah, I'm ready to pay back the money I owe Jimmy. If he ever shows up. And then Jimmy takes the money. And uh, Freddy goes, oh, and he faints. Meanwhile, back at the doctor's office. The doctor um, still thinks Jimmy's there. Right. And he's trying to, he's talking to Jimmy. Meanwhile, Jimmy is gone. So he gets in a cab, and then he goes back to Clark's apartment. He goes to visit his friend Clark, who is really Superman disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper. And he decides, oh, I will type a message. Now, do they not have typewriters in the Daily Planet? Couldn't he have done that on Lois's? Yeah, but she just thought there was a ghost. So, like... Then it would be super She really could have blamed a ghost at that point. Right. So it says, Clark. I'm no ghost, but me, Jimmy Olsen. I am invisible in the fourth dimension. No one can see me or hear me. Find Superman. Maybe he can help. He's so he's he's feeling around and he's like, oh, I can't even touch him. Like I I don't know. Maybe we can help you. And uh, and then the crime ring leader busts in and holds um, Clark Kent at gunpoint. Right. The oft alliterative Blackie Blake and his gang show up and they tie up Clark Kent, unknown to the clue. Uh, so. Uh, Jimmy is like, okay, I'm going to be a ghost. I'm going to be a ghost. Right. So he takes the, uh, he takes the, the they're going to burn up his article, but he takes it and he puts it in the uh, freezer. freezer and takes out an ice cube and then puts it down his back like a fifth grader. Right. And then he, uh, he ties his shoes together and then he sticks a finger in his ear. None of that actually happens. What he does do is untie Clark, which leads the um, criminals to believe that Clark Kent is Superman. Right. Which, like, he is, but that's irrelevant at the moment. Right. So Jimmy does things like uh, shifts. He puts a... So a guy goes to punch Clark and... He puts the lid of a uh, pot in front of it. How can they not see that? It's shiny metal. And then they shoot at him and Jimmy moves him aside. Moves the gun aside before they shoot. And so um, so he's like, hey, uh, we surrender, Superman. Just jail us. But we'll have the last laugh. Flying your secret is Clark Kent. Nope. So he's like, "Uh, wait. And then um, so he comes back. And changes into Superman, and he uh, he rescues. Okay, if he couldn't touch him before, why is he grabbing him now? 
All right, we're gonna DC move, science. We're gonna move past that, <laughs> and uh, he takes him back to the uh, to the docs lab and says, "Okay, I uh, I have a, I have an idea." Right. So he puts him in the thing, puts him in the fourth fourth dimension, and uses giant forceps to grab him back from the fourth dimension. So then uh, everything is great. Uh, Superman carries him back, much like a bride over the threshold. And then they write an article telling their whole story about how uh, Jimmy was invisible and uh, was using tricks to make it look like Superman was uh, Clark Kent. Was Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper. And so, um, so then they were like, "Ah, oh, bah! What a letdown!" Then Clark Kent isn't Superman. And uh, then they go to a movie, and the movie is The Invisible Man. And then they're selling mottos again. Can't they throw East of Eden? That was a good movie. Um, yes. So now we get to the final cart, the final ads in the back. Once again, sell the mottos. Get ten percent. Right. Uh, you know. Uh, and then Must- each of these two knees is you. That 112-pound, six-foot, spindly-armed sissy? It was me a few weeks ago. And then they show him, and he's, like, totally beefed up. And this is uh, pre, pre-Charles pre Atlas, I think. Yeah, uh, because Charles Atlas became the guy that was always in the back of comic books. But this is before that guy. No, we've had Charles Atlas. I know, but th- this is, like, in the same... I guess there were lots of people trying to get 98-pound weaklings into uh, big E-men with the books. How to build mighty arms, how to build a mighty back, mighty chest, mighty legs, a mighty grip, and a photo book on how to achieve nerves of steel and muscles of iron, and here to become a mighty He-Man. And then mighty He-Man goes, come on, pal, now you give me ten, give me ten pleasant minutes a day in your home, and I'll give you a new He-Man body, your old skeleton frame. Who is uh, George P. Lowett? No, George F. Joet, champion of champions, four times winner of the Perfect Men contest. All right. So that- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then we have, as we all know, one of the other things that kids loved to do in the 50s was collect stamps. A lot of stamps. That's right, and these all feature the newly minted, I don't know, was she even queen at this point? I don't know, but Elizabeth II. Right. Elizabeth II colony stamps from all over the world. I guess she must have been. So uh, she is, and so what do we have? We have Singapore, Cayman Islands, uh, St. Christopher's, North Borneo, and many, many others. All holding Queen Elizabeth II face. Uh, All genuine. All different. All yours. Plus, beautiful souvenir of the world's rarest stamp in color. Then, then why are they giving it to children? I don't, I don't think. I think it's a souvenir. I think it's just like a picture. Okay. It's the real one. Okay. I wonder if it's the one with that upside down airplane. Oh. Uh, I don't know either. Oh. Uh, so, um, so then they have. So there's this and uh, Elizabeth II, but she's not smoking. You know, she smoked a lot. Hmm. I don't think she does anymore. Um, and that is all. Is it? Yeah, there are only three ads. All right. Uh, I guess they went. A, they went a little bit over. Okay. So, um, let's see. Uh, we, so we want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us here at Superman's Other Pound. Um, you can uh, visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are all Other <laughs> Pals Pod. So Other Pals Pod at Instagram, Other Pals Pod at Twitter, and it's, it's just um, others. Other Pals slash pod. Other Pals Pod. And if you want to write to us. It is otherpalspod at gmail.com. Yep. Um, if you'd like to submit a uh, correction, please uh, 
we want something illuminated on parchment uh, and preferably delivered by a herald. But if you can't do that, you can certainly email us and we'll send you our address. Yep. Um, so also, if you would be so kind, if you would uh, write a review for us on iTunes. That would be great. And perhaps give us five stars if it wouldn't be too much to ask because that's how we get on the charts. Now who's begging like a five-year-old? Now I'm begging like a five oh, No, no, this is begging like a five-year-old. Please help us with our podcast, people. Please, please. We have no merchandise to speak of at this time. I don't know if we'll ever have merchandise. We may, we may not. We'll see. All right. But until then, this is Gary Rowland. This is Ella Plum Rowland. And we are saying a Superman away! Away! I, I got a pocket full of-